Hello, welcome to Round the Table with Christian Concern. And um, great to be joined today by one of our heroes and uh, a chap who's won a very significant legal victory this week, um, Dr. Richard Scott. Um, uh, it's great to have you, Richard. Thank you for joining us. Um, and we're also joined today by Andrea Williams, Chief Executive of Christian Concern. And uh, listen, we're really celebrating this week because Richard, we've won a, a fantastic victory in your case, haven't we? Why don't you just tell us what, you know, the outcome, what's happened with you, your case this week? Yes, well, um, earlier this year, um, NHS England uh, attempted to sanction me very heavily for praying with patients and indeed for, for spiritual care. Um, as a result of a complaint following a radio interview in, in 2019 on Radio 4, um, which the National Secular Society uh, disliked intensely, passed to the General Medical Council and ultimately to NHS England. And I thought what their, their sanction was originally, which was a, to go on a three-day professional boundaries course because I was accused of overstepping the boundary. Uh, this course was clearly aimed at sex offenders, if you read the, read the PBC rules. Uh, so I cut up rough about that. That's not happening. Um, I offered instead, uh, as an olive branch, very much a goodwill gesture, no mm. admission of guilt, to undertake mm. a one-day uh, professional boundaries course, uh, more generic, uh, not aimed at sex offenders, but a more a wider range of people. Um, NHS England uh, disliked my approach and then therefore added in a whole day psychological assessment alongside the three day course. Again, I said uh, that's not happening. And, and let so... me just say, you were so Ooh. kind. I mean, this is the man that is Richard Scott. I mean, because I was saying, mm. uh, I mean, I went, I was happy, I was happy that this olive branch was offered, of course, but. Mm instinctively i wanted to say really really why i mean there was this kind of this 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 three-day course that it was obviously entirely inappropriate it was disrespectful um it it, it really was entirely disrespectful and wrong um richard was gracious to actually say i will do i will come on this i'll do this one day course it was a gracious peacemaking stance um, right, right back then, and I was saying, well, you know, you have done absolutely nothing wrong. Uh, he said, I know, but let's let's make peace. So that was what what then happened. But then, extraordinarily, for them, <laughs> having been offered this, mm. to then uh, ask for Richard to have a psychological assessment. Right, Richard, t take it from there again. Well, yes, I mean, not just a, an assessment, an eight hour all day psychological assessment for having the temerity to say no to an inappropriate course was just extraordinary and to an extent showed me that you know the battle and showed me the enemy uh, being blunt yes. so uh, i i said no absolutely not and um, christian concern were heavily involved at this point um and we went we went for it together uh, filling in lots of paperwork and answering questions emails etc um and that led to um what was what the nhs england uh us having to form an appeal against this decision, which was going to be held in a, a court, uh, an employment tribunal court, as it happened in Ashford in Kent uh, this week. I'm very pleased to say right at the beginning of Monday morning, that's Monday morning just gone, uh, my excellent barrister, Michael Phillips, um, had a strong word with their barrister, explained about the National Secular Society's intentions. Do you realise these people are trying to abolish all chaplains in schools, for example? He wasn't aware of that at the time, but, but suddenly saw sense, uh, was very reasonable and agreed to our suggestion of, of the one day course as a peace gesture with no admission of guilt, critically, because the NHS England weren't, weren't agreeing to that previously. So no admission of guilt, brief reflections on the course, and we'll call it a day. And also a very excellent judge. I might say God stepped in because um, the previous barrister who was more obstructive uh, wasn't available. I'm sure that wasn't, a, wasn't an accident. 
and uh, to have such a good barrister opposing and such a good judge yeah, yeah that's yeah. that's that's God in action so, so Richard it's a fantastic win and by the way if you're watching <clears throat> live or even later on do put likes and comments in on this it's great to be back doing around the table um, after a little break over the summer and um, and um, if you if you're watching live ask your questions and we can try and get them asked to Richard um, right now live on the show um, but um, Richard, let's let's take a step back um, on this a bit. And um, you've been practicing as a doctor for some thirty plus years, is it? Mm, um, yes. what, what what took you into medicine in the first place? Yeah, well, it might sound a bit corny, but actually, I had an operation when I was fourteen on my neck. Had a salivary gland right. removed. Had a right. stone on Christmas right. Day when I was fourteen. So that's nineteen seventy four. And wow. um, I woke up, and the most gorgeous nurse was leaning <laughs> over my bed. <laughs> It's true. God works in mysterious ways, not least through hormones. And um, uh, here's the irony: not not only do I think this is my calling, although I always have... <laughs> Richard Scott. Here's 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 the irony: she she left nursing a week later, never to return. So um, uh, there we are. Here I am, and here she isn't. <laughs> so that to be fair, I was thinking, I was doing biology, I was enjoying it, but that was the prompt I needed. Mm. There we go. Right. I had an operation, salivary gland removal. That so at that point, you decided, I want to get into medicine and yeah. and do this kind of thing. I think quite a lot of people who go into medicine actually go in partly because they've been helped by it. I, oh, I've yeah. Lots Absolutely. of stories like that. Yeah. And and what about you, know, you being a Christian as mm. well as a doctor? What difference does that make for you, Richard? When did you oh, become well, a Christian? What's, when, what sort of period in your life to become a Christian? Well, funny enough, it's the same year, 14. So um, I came from a non-Christian background. Um, we had this great Christian union camp at my school. I went to a boys' grammar school in, in, the, in Surrey. 100 out of 500 boys in our school went on this camp because it was the best week of the year. Uh, and so you play football, swim, etc. The deal was you went to the evening meeting. Um, I quite enjoyed it, hot, sweaty atmosphere in a big marquee, never listened to the talk. Um, but when I was 14 in my third year, one night, strong sense, and it must have been from God, listen to the talk tonight. And I thought, well, fair enough, I hadn't listened before. And I did. And what he said made sense. He told me, he gave me the gospel. I thought, my goodness, we do things wrong. Jesus gets the rap. What a decent deal. And then I looked at some of the prefects and particularly the sportsmen around in our school who are on the camp because I was massively into sport. They've got something. I'll give it a go. So I did. 14 to 18 before I walked away <laughs> and had to return at 26 in an absolute mess. Uh, so my story is not only of, of becoming a Christian once, but becoming a Christian twice. And I can compare right. how good life was as a Christian, 14 to 18, how rotten ultimately it was by 26 away from the Lord and what right. a difference he made in my life when I came back. Right. And I think what's so special about mm. that, you know, just can't, that, that story of walking mm. away is when mm. uh, in, well, you obviously say in, it, mm. it, it was pretty me- a pretty big mess mm. um th- that our stories of restoration our stories of knowing is that that mm. it's actually jesus mm. that makes the whole difference oh absolutely andrew totally it's right and actually the good the thing about it difference. even though i wouldn't recommend any of my patients walk away from god so many people have had a seed of faith over the years they come in their 40s in a mess and i say to them look i believe in the god of the second chance and the third chance and the fourth chance he's made a difference in my life would you like to know more and most people are desperate and they say yes tell me more and you're building often on seeds which have been sown but life has got in the yeah. way thank goodness god will have us back wow That's it. so, so um so how often you know i was yeah. trying to get to the question really how what difference does your faith make in the workplace yeah. But um, how often do you end up talking about faith in your consultations? 
So I looked at I looked at my statistics and I see as, a, as an on-call doctor, I only do on-call in my practice, I see between 40 and 55 patients a day. And on right. average, I have a, a lengthy spiritual conversation once a day. Um, that's average. Right. In addition right. to that, I will I will often offer prayer to patients. So, for example, last week I had a Polish man came in and his wife is dying from bowel cancer. And she's having immunotherapy. She's got stage four. It's really not looking good medically. And I yeah. said to him, look, I presume you're a Catholic. Yes, I am. I'm Polish. I'm a Catholic. Would you would you mind if I pray in this situation? Let's ask God to heal her because right. I've seen God heal people. He said, right. yes. And, you know, he's 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 got his eyes shut before mine. We're right. praying for the Lord because when it's not instead of medicine. It's in addition. And, you know, right. and I know as well as, as many other people do that, you know, medicine has its limits. It's very good. Yeah, you know, I've been helped, but not yeah. everybody is helped. You know, why not bring God in? Yeah. Um, and I can give plenty of examples of God helping people. Yeah. And you mm. always, you know, obviously go through the medical procedure anyway, don't you? And, yeah. you, you know, you always do like, you know, if you give an antibiotic or whatever is the right prescription for the mm. appropriate context. But I think you've said in another context that um, particularly with mental health, you more often will mm. offer um, spiritual help. Is that can right? I just say that mm. on this, on this, um, Tim, because I think that this is what's kind of very mm. interesting about how the National Secular Society, but yeah. also I think sometimes, sadly, even Christians can come come against mm. Richard. Just people, mm. you know, um, well, you're not doing your job properly. If you're bringing God to in, into it, you're not doing your job properly, are yeah. you? As if you're not a proper doctor, as if you're yes. not, you know, doing um, proper doing <laughs> medicine. And I think if you spend more than five minutes in the company of Richard, you'll understand what mm. an excellent um, well. Doctor, what an excellent. That's, that's kind of you say so. And certainly, one of the big points the opposition, the NHS England, made was, "Oh, this is instead of normal care. It's detrimental in some ways." Yeah. And I said, "Let me just point out that I always start work before time. I give you myself yeah. extra time should I need it with a spiritual conversation." Um, and uh, that so that it's never to the detriment of what I might call normal Western care. It's always an addition, and it's optional. It's voluntary. Mm. Yeah, and I think that we've kind yeah. of, and I know that with your. You know, with your work in in Margate and, and mm. with, with with the surgery, you, how long have you been there, Richard? Since ninety eight, so twenty four yes. years. Twenty four mm. years. That's a long time mm. to really be serving into a community, mm. not just as a medical doctor, but you know, mm. spiritually, because I know you're very involved in the church there as well. Mm. Mm. But I also, particularly in the first case, which goes back to twenty ten, again, mm. where they were still coming after you, <laughs> the same band of um, yeah. activists in a way. But mm. even back then, what I remember was um, at that time meeting some of your patients mm, mm. and yes. way back and and the change that just you being in their life had yeah. made well the and ones we, you met were some of our drug addicts so i first started in margate and so all these drug addicts kept coming in the room because um, the drug addicts will often leave london they'll end up at the coast and they can't go any further otherwise they get wet and they end up in our clinic and i thought my goodness how can we help and i saw this revolving circle where they would leave leave prison, get given 46 quid by the government. Some unsatisfactory friend would help them to spend it. Uh, they'd run out of money, so they'd steal from Tesco's very badly. They'd get nicked and back they were in prison. And so I began to offer them to come on an Alpha course because Alpha changed my life, uh, encouraging me to share faith with others and telling others week seven. And mm. so I, and, and I could see those that came, the ones, the drug addicts whose lives changed were those that came on Alpha. 
Jesus making the difference. Mm-hmm. And if, yeah, my, in, in one of my church, the previous church, if you went to the church, the, the main guitarist, he'd been a heroin addict, that you, you met him out, Andrea, heroin addict in prison nine times for, for, for theft uh, until he became a Christian, never back. And another wow. guy the same who came with me. Yeah, these are these are absolutely changed lives. And you know, do the National Secular Society want to stop that? Do the GMC yeah. want to stop that? That would seem both well, unreasonable and extremely unkind. And I think that the and that's and I think that this is really, really it. Medicine can only take mm. you so far. If you are drug addicted, if you're confused mm. in your identity, all these mm. you know, the mm. actual level of depression and mm. sadness and mm. lack of community that people have. I mean, a lot of GPs waiting rooms are filled with people that are lonely and depressed in part because they they have nothing they feel that they have nothing sure and what the gospel offers what jesus offers um, is actually total is is whole wholehearted healing you know i know richard and you richard and i were both cancer survivors you know we needed we needed that we needed that chemotherapy yeah. You know, we needed that keep the keep chemotherapy and we're glad to be in this live stream right now <laughs> as yeah. a result of doing doing that medicine. But, mm. you know, to, to see, as Richard says, the life of the guitarist nine times in, in mm. prison, that heroin addict turned around, mm-hmm. not because methadone keeps him in the right place, sure. but because he's radically rescued or an alcoholic mm-hmm. who's radically rescued by Christ and entirely yeah. turns their health around. Somebody who is confused in their porn- pornographic addiction, confused yeah. in their sexual behaviours, confused mm-hmm. in depression because of family dysfunction. Yeah. You know, there's, you know, tamazepam is only going to get you so far. You yeah, know, and, uh, it gets you anywhere at all. You know, it, it, well, it can be obviously properly prescribed, but I mean, mm-hmm. the point is it can only get you so far. Yeah. Yeah. And this kind of radical restoration mm. and regeneration, which is what we need yeah. to see generally. I'll give you, I'll give you we, need, we need more doctors like Richard, don't we? Not yeah. less. We need well, more my, doctors. My wife also, my wife prays for patients because she's a Christian GP in our practice. And her right. particular uh, emphasis is on women's health. So she does lots of the family planning. And yeah. um, But one of the things that she's, she's found over the years that she seems to have, um, God seems to favour her prayers for infertility. Right. So she's had uh, recently four infertile couples going through all the, all the treatment, I, IVF, etc., seemingly getting nowhere until she prayed for them. And all four very rapidly became pregnant. Now, wow. I can't prove that that was that that was God. It might be coincidental. But, uh, you know, as, as the famous Australian cricketer said, the other, you know, recently, you know, funny enough, the more I practice, the luckier I get. And the more we pray, the more we see. And, the more uh, I pray, the more coincidences happen. It's kind the more of, we know, pray, the more coincidences happen. You yes. know, and as a Christian, the longer you're in the, in this stuff, you realise this isn't a coincidence. This is bringing God into the situation. And why yeah. wouldn't we want to? You know, I say yeah. to my patients, most of us put what I call the handbrake on God. Can't be bothered. Take the handbrake off and go. Actually, I really need your help. He's saying, "Great, should we do this together?" That's how it's meant to be. Mm. I was just, you know, mm. and as I was coming onto this live stream and uh, I've been trying to turn it up a bit, but I'm on the screen, so it's quite hard. But um, mm. I was thinking about Acts 4, when Peter mm. and, and John, they they heal the man, they heal blessed, mm. who's lame and he's paralyzed mm. at the at the um, at, at the gates of the synagogue, mm. at the city gates. Mm-hmm. And um, this get this word gets around because he's entirely healed. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, "Who? In what name did you do this? In the name of Jesus," he says. Mm-hmm. And he's very excited, mm-hmm. and lots of people are hearing about it. See what these men do. Mm-hmm. See, but they're speaking in the name of Jesus, and he he is healed. Well, then mm-hmm. what happens is they're brought up before the religious leaders, 
mm. brought up before the lawyers mm. brought, um, and why are you doing this mm. in whose name do you do this mm. they're put away they're imprisoned mm. for actually yeah. speaking healing into the life of the man blessed mm. yeah. and then what it is that the, the authorities and the rulers want to do is mm. they want to remove they would say it's not they want they do remove them physically from the situation so they put them in jail overnight mm-hmm. when they let them out and ask them in whose name it was mm. is peter and john are told um essentially you're not to speak his name what they want to stop mm. is the name of jesus being spoken mm. and you know richard it's just not any different now is it the it's, it's, it's say, really not. Yeah. national secular society well they would anyway they say don't speak the name of jesus jesus yes. needs to be out of schools he needs to be out of hospitals you know when once he was the center of schools and the mm-hmm. center of hospitals remove mm-hmm. jesus from mm-hmm. the center of these places yeah. um remove richard this man mm-hmm. who speaks of jesus who mm-hmm. can't yeah. be contained like peter and john mm-hmm. can't be contained in whose power whose power do you believe and i believe in jesus's power well remove mm-hmm. richard you know remove peter remove john remove mm. the name of jesus in public life and of course what's happened to us richard mm. Mm. when you I think you said you qualified in 1974 was it no 1914 1983 yeah and mm. so and i qualified in 1988 uh, i qualified as a barrister in 1988 and i often think how different the world was then but mm. it was already changing sure um, i know indeed indeed but, but in but indeed this kind of entire um, evaporation mm. um, of the name of Jesus in public life. And the well, I, think, of- I think what's really interesting about this is that um, the National Sex Society view this as my as my own ideas. This is anecdotal stuff, but we now have all this science behind us. And I'm hoping that this chap, Professor Harold Koenig, who was going to be the expert witness in my case from America, who's written the wonderful tome, Handbook of Religion and Health, you know, collating all these papers. Thousands of papers now show that categorically that the Judeo-Christian faith helps health. Every single area studied, mental, physical, cancer, Christians even live longer. You know, this is not my opinion. This is mm. backed up by scientific evidence. And for the National Sex Society, General Medical Council, NHS England, to try and dampen this down, what they're dampening down is evidence-based medicine. If you like, we now have science that proves that what we already know, which is that God heals. But the science now proves it. So yeah. you know, we can really stand, we're standing on very firm ground here. And I, yeah. I want the public out there to hear. And I want, mm-hmm. ultimately, I'd love this to be a new science. Too, so, to so Richard, I saw that um, one of our viewers, Victoria Charlesworth on YouTube said, um, they mm. want to stop this man praying, but my mom was sent to recce for healing by her GP. So, you know, mm. this is, you, you know, the context of this, you know, mm. you're, they're trying to ban you from praying, mm. but then the NHS are offering all these other practices as well. Just talk about that for a minute. Well, yes, indeed. As we said earlier, social prescribing is, is very, very um, popular these days, whether it's um, GPs sending people for, for gardening, for meditation, Reiki, uh, yoga, etc. Why would we not add Christianity amongst that, especially when of all these things, the only area that's got strong evidence base is Christianity. And I think the reason that the that, that uh, these medical organisations, which are highly secular and clearly the NSS, which is the ultimate secular society, um, want to ban it is because ultimately we have an opposition that's not the NSS. It's 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 the evil one. And his what he wants to get rid of is is, is Christianity. So that's why, um, you know, we're a threat to, to him and not other areas like like Reiki and, and meditation and gardening. Yeah. Yeah. And I sometimes think, you know, I mean, so it's quite interesting. Like you can mm. be in, let's say, mm. in the gym mm. 
and everyone's doing yoga or mindfulness and it's all very normal mm. or you can be in the hairdressers and they're talking about their hypnotherapy mm. um or their you know whatever you know whatever or reiki or crystals mm. And this is kind of like all normal, like or, or astrology, or star signs, and, and yeah. what and what are you, and you know, and, and this is all just every yeah. normal everyday stuff. Mention Jesus, yeah. and you mention prayer, and this is suddenly something. Yeah. And that and that can only, as you you said, um, Richard, be explained in in spiritual terms, really, because it's you know yeah. it, it's not. The, the opposition, this kind of unnatural um, opposition yeah. that we get to the name of Jesus. I think it's, it's spiritual, but also I think people deep down do realise that, you know, you can have a little touch of crystals for 10 minutes and then, then go back to, to watching EastEnders. Whereas actually, if, if you take on Jesus, that's that's really asking questions of your life. Because Jesus yeah. isn't just looking for converts, he's looking for disciples. And, um, and, and and I think people do sort of think, well, hang on a second, what does this actually mean? Um, mm. And yeah, when you know, when we talk about Christ Christianity and clinical, I'll say to people, this is yeah, this is a life changing thing, but you do need to follow. It's not just a, a one off. So perhaps there's that element as well as the obvious spiritual blindness. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and which is what... kind of the the Koenig, mm. the 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 the, the um, experts mm. report, which is fantastic, and which mm. we need to get because it's uh, because it it's mm. proof. It's proof that you know that faith well, that faith really works. But mm. why does faith work? And why does why? faith work? Faith, faith works because work? we're made in the image of God. Yes. yes. Because the way in which we're meant to live mm. helps us, I mean, it helps to make us healthy, happy, and whole. Yes. I'm, I'm not, and I don't, and I don't say this lightly because we all come to, you know, we come to faith with a whole load of mm. stuff, baggage, all, we are in just life's realities. We're human too. Mm. But actually, the Jesus way is mm. a happy way it's yeah, yeah. you know when you kind of think what am i going to do how am i going to make this mess okay you know whatever it might be then if you put your faith in jesus then you will have grace for today mm. and yeah. it will be worked out i mean this is this is this is the mm. jesus way of life yes. you know and it's this and it's and i think that is the thing that's absolutely absolutely wonderful about you know, not, I'm not just talking about in medicine, I'm talking about the Jesus way of life. Hmm. This kind of, the, the way in which we're prescribed to live as because he knows how we're made hmm. really does mean that we end up healthy, happy and whole. Yeah, yeah. I, I talk, say, talk to my patients about if you go back to Genesis 1, you know, we're designed to be walking arm in arm with God in the garden. And that's right. how it will be ultimately one day back in heaven. In the meantime, you know, since the fall, this is this is the world we live in with Putin doing his stuff and mental health doing its stuff. Um, but it doesn't have to be that way. And, uh, you know, how God can he help me, he can help help you in any which way you like. And sometimes I do mention some miracles to my patients, miracles I've seen in clinic, miracles I've come across elsewhere. Literally God stepping in and doing something amazing. And um, yeah, show one now, show one now, Richard. Yeah, I could say, share, share a couple. Um, so I remember, for example, um, I was a lady came in to see me and she was she was desperate. And I said, what, what do you need most in your life? She said, I'm owed 17 months of benefits and I'm up before the judge next week. Uh, it's not going to work. And I said, um, how about we pray that it does work? So I prayed and off she went. And I was doing a home visit the next week. She comes running down the road. I'm at someone's gate. She's running down the road. I got it. I got it all 17 months. Fantastic. Isn't that what wow. we prayed for? Uh, wow. It's just something like that, which is wonderful. I remember praying for one man, a drug addict, and he was up for the judge literally again the next week. Eight times he'd gone to jail for stealing. And I said to him, look, what would you like? He said, I'd like to have a community order. I am guilty. 
I'd like to have a community order. I said, well, let's ask God. You know, I believe in a merciful, generous God. We did. He comes back the next week. I got it. I got it. I got a community order. And I said, that's great. Don't do it again. Because <laughs> God, well, I've got a story like that. Richard, I've got a story like that uh, that, that is yeah. quite sobering for mm -hmm. Christians. So, so um, but those, that, those are brilliant stories. But I want to tell you where mm -hmm. I failed, in mm -hmm. fact. Mm -hmm. And that's in one of my early clients when I was a newly qualified criminal barrister. Well, I was I was, I was barrister working in criminal law, mm. and um, I had this one of my early clients was Colin. He was a young boy, and he used to kind of steal, um, he used to steal cars, and um, this was the start of his criminal career. And I always say our criminal careers kind of progressed together, and he got on into more and more serious criminal behavior, mm. and. Um, and, and then he, he, when he got into trouble and got to the police station, he'd go, I want my brief. I want my Miss Minichiello, please. And then I sometimes used to go down to see him in the cells and he used to go, Miss, Miss, if you marry me, if you marry me, I'll mend all my ways, he used to say. <laughs> so I was like, I was in my you know tw early 20s at this point. Yeah. I was very fond of Colin. A Colin. Mm. Uh, and so we then, um, it, we went on for several years. We got to a point where it got really serious. You know, he had addiction issues and mm. I was still going back and representing him. Um, I got the call, went to see uh, went to see him. He was, mm. we ended up, he was to a point where then he was being sentenced. Mm. Um, and he was in a terrible state. This, he was definitely going to prison. He was doing now doing burglaries, even domestic burglaries. It got mm. really serious. Mm. As was, uh, as was usual, he was remanded in prison for um, for a month in order for a probation report to be written. He looked terrible and he was put on suicide watch. I went back 28 mm. day, with the report 28 days later mm. and I walked into the holding room in the court. And it was in inner, inner London. And he said, Miss, I looked at him and I said, he was a totally different person. He looked totally different. Mm. And I said, Colin, what's happened? He said, Miss, I met the chaplain. He told me all about Jesus. I now know everything I ever needed to know, Miss. I said, Colin, that's incredible. That's amazing. I'm a Christian too. Let's pray. And he said, Miss, why didn't you ever tell me? Yeah, yeah. Why didn't you ever tell me? And we went, that was very sobering. And then we went upstairs and he went, he went to, he was sentenced to prison. I told this story to the judge. I told the story to the judge mm. and the judge looked a bit skeptical. And I was trying to, I was trying to get a community service order. We mm. were way beyond that, that this point, mm. but, and, and, um, Colin was, um, he was, uh, put imprisoned, um, it's for something like two years and when I went back down to the cell he said miss it's okay um because mm. I can get to know Jesus in my prison cell mm. I can see the chaplain I can get to know I can get to know I can get to know Jesus I'm not turning back and I now know that Colin just you know just like the guitarist just like the, mm. you know, I know that he's now lived a life that is turned mm. around as he encountered the real and living Lord Jesus wow. Christ. Amen. Wow. Great. 
this lawyer, this it lawyer knew for many years. Yeah, this, yeah, yeah. This lawyer knew for many years, and I didn't mention it. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Fantastic yeah, story, and it's convicting yeah. for all of us, I think, Andrea. Uh, you know, yeah. yeah. Why aren't we telling people? Aren't we? we need more. I can, like, I can like, give you healing stories as well. It's, I mean, it is amazing what God does. We just need to bring Him in more often. You know, it's often yeah. been said, isn't it, that Christians are are more yeah. reluctant to, to 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 pray than God is to answer. And well, actually, yeah. that's really need to bring Him in. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And so, Richard, what would you say to mm. you know doctors, nurses, other health professionals, maybe, um, or other professionals in social care, whatever, who are watching this? and they're thinking oh you know um a bit nervous about ever praying for somebody or something like that what would you say to them well i would i think i would i would definitely i would actually say two things first first of all um i think my case shows that that um uh you know there is there is an opposition uh, we know that the bible is true when and persecutions and trials will come if you put your head above the parapet but if you want to see lives change and and have some amazing stories to tell then you'll only do so if you put your head above the parapet and speak the name yeah. of jesus because it's he that changes lives so for example as a gp if someone comes to me with a sore throat or a hernia we're unlikely to talk god but if you come with something serious, existential addictions, mental health, new diagnosis of cancer, dying from something, you know, if I don't offer spiritual care, which we know makes a big difference to people's lives, I would argue that's negligent. So mm. I think we need a bit more courage. And secondly, um, be encouraged mm. that if you do run into trouble, there is a wonderful legal Christian organisation that will that will look after you, that will back you, will provide expertise free of charge. And, you know, you know that you're not alone. Yes, you're not alone because God's with you, number one. But also you're not alone because Christian concern are with you, number two. And that's worth having. And you'll meet other clients who've had their own troubles and be encouraged. And you've written the book. You've written two books, haven't you? One I've, still, I've written, still Yes, I've written two books. One of them was Christians in the Firing Line. So in, in my first um, trouble in G with the GMC, halfway through my trial, when I got bowel cancer, um, I wrote a book called Christians in the Firing Line for Christian Concern. 13 cases of which I was number eight. So I got to, to meet all the other 12 cases. And do you know what was wonderful about all 13 people, even some people who never worked again because of the difficulties they had with their professional bodies, every single person's faith increased. Everybody was more mm. encouraged because yeah. they stood up for Christ. And ultimately, what I, what I say to doctors, for example, is, you know, when you get to the pearly gates, it's not the General Medical Council opening the door. <laughs> they are behind you in the queue. It's Jesus. And the GMC may think they have all power, but they do not. A hundred percent they don't. <laughs> Very good. Andrea, just talk to us about the implications of this case, the wider implications of it and how important it is. It's keeping the lights on. It's keeping the doors open. It's saying, do not be afraid. Mm. Be a Richard, not an Andrea Minichiello. Have the boldness to speak. I mean, of course, with wisdom, you know, yeah. if someone's coming in, uh, my husband had a sore throat this morning, you know, yeah, maybe he needs, maybe he needs some penicillin, maybe he doesn't. The point is, Richard could tell him whether or not he does, you know, sort of, sort of thing. So, so um, but the, it's, about, it's about being obviously sensible, wise. Mm. But understanding that you, but but also having the courage to speak Jesus into a situation mm. where evidently he can make make mm. a decision, and I think it's not just for um, make make a difference. I think it's not just for pe for doctors and for nurses. For mm. I think we need to just 
this kind of decision, we need the regulatory authorities are yeah. damp are putting fear. Yes. Into people, the, the, this idea mm. of equality and diversity and what we're allowed to speak. There is a self censoring. So I hope that Richard's case, I hope that church leaders and Christians everywhere will say, I want to be a Richard. Mm. I want to have the courage. I want to be bold. I want to speak. Mm. I want to be a Peter. I want to be a John. I mm. will speak the name of Jesus yes. and not fear, not fear the employer, not fear mm. the regulator. I think yeah. we, in large part, self-censor. So I hope that Richard's case will encourage people mm. to speak. Yes, I think that's absolutely right. And, um, you know, what I always say also to doctors, nurses, teachers, check out your own rules, because many people think, oh, I can't speak. So, well, actually, you can, but just be aware of your rules. Uh, and then, of course, as you're even being aware of your rules on one hand, on the other hand, also be aware of the Holy Spirit saying to you, this is the one. Because when I have an opportunity in clinic, I ask the Lord and sometimes he'll say no. It's quite clear. No, in which case no is no. But if it, sometimes I can think of my own case, well, I'm a bit tired or I don't think they're going to listen. The Holy Spirit saying, open it up. And um when you open it up, you get a, a, amazing responses take place. You know, you discover that somebody else spoke to that person one week ago and you're adding to what God is already doing. And they say, oh, this is amazing. You're the second person in a week that's spoken to me, At which point right. I say, mm, sounds like God's on your case. But yeah. if I hadn't been the second person, they might have forgotten the first person. So, you know, actually, you, you just, you know, we just don't yeah. know. We just have your antennae, have your spiritual antennae up yes. and, and, and flickering so the Holy Spirit can get through. Yeah. We've got a question here for someone on Facebook, Nicola Adolfo, if I pronounced yeah. that correctly. Um, we see a lot of persecution from the state and all areas of social care. Would you agree that state control is increasing, Andrea? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, the kind of methods that were used in mm. COVID to close and to control and public health issues, those will be increasingly uh, used. They certainly have been. I mean, we obviously have a change of government, which on the face of it is more libertarian, but we need to see how that will all work out mm. uh, generally. But what we have lost and the rules that we're currently under and those, I mean, it's not as if the regulatory, but those that control the regulatory bodies have, uh, have changed. Um, mm. I think we're seeing a mass of self, uh, soft policies controlling how um, not just state the state sector works, but even private corporations uh work and we're seeing a massive clamping down for instance in schools and and christian teachers at the moment i mean we've just last week come out of the case of bernard randall where a church of england chaplain in the church of england school for teaching church of england uh teaching on mm. marriage finds himself dismissed for gross misconduct mm. i mean yeah. so there there i mean this is not to put fear in everyone because i've just as i said we need to be a richard we need to be a bernard yeah. But we want to keep the school gates open. We want to keep we want to keep the lights on. And this is exactly what Richard's case has done, because no matter how long it takes. And for Richard, it's been a 12 year journey. Mm. No matter, you know, um, because, but he's saying, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going to I'm not going to mm. stop being a doctor. Mm. And I'm going to continue to be a doctor the way I am a doctor, which is I am a good. He is a good doctor, but he has his spiritual antennae out, as he said, mm. and he's mm. open. And and if you're a Christian, if you're a if you're a Christian, if you're a chaplain in the school, then be a chaplain. Speak mm. Jesus. And if you are a chaplain in a prison, speak Jesus because you may meet a Colin. The truth is now, Christian chap, really Christian chaplains that speak Jesus are being removed from prisons. Mm. We've had several of those cases. Mm. So yes, there is increasingly state control. They want um, Nikki. What they want to do, Nicola. What they want to do is just is, is exactly what we've seen 
in, in Acts 4 with Peter and John, we're going to yeah. remove the name of Jesus. Mm. So yeah. the enemy is the same enemy. There's mm. nothing new under the sun. But mm. we have to be aware. It's as if sometimes we don't think we're in Acts. As if mm. we don't think the spiritual same spiritual forces are at play. Or mm. it couldn't possibly happen in England. Aren't we a Christian yeah. society? Mm. Haven't we got a church in every village? Yeah. What happens if the church is no longer speaking? What if we're not discipled our institutions? What if we're not spoken to the General Medical Council, if we're not spoken into Parliament? What if we've vacated all the public spaces? What if we've vacated all the public policy bodies that formulate how we operate? Well, that's what's happened. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, listen, Richard, thank you so much for what you do and the lives that are being changed and transformed, all the answers to prayer are fantastic. You're an inspiration. I hope that people watching and listening today will be inspired to um, pray and, and talk and discuss and offer faith and invite people to offer courses or whatever else um, it is um, to in their workplaces, wherever it might be, and, and um, including in social care and medicine and all of this kind of thing, because yeah. that's exactly what we need to be like. And it's a fantastic result that the NHS lawyers have agreed that you did nothing wrong, and mm. you're allowed to offer prayer within GFC guidance, which you've always followed. Mm. Um, and so, you know, well done. Thank you. It's a fantastic win. I hope it inspires many other people and emboldens many other people. And folks, we need to see more doctors like Richard and uh, more people in workplaces like Richard generally as well, um, who are prepared to open up and share and offer people things. So um, thank you so much. And thank you for listening and watching. Great to be back with you on Round the Table. We're starting a new series this term. Looking forward to discussing various other cases and significant victories over the coming weeks. And um, see you again next week. Do follow us. It's Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and uh, like us and comment. And I'm um, great to see you again in a week's time. Thank you very much. Bye.